Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Christy Craig. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. There we go. I didn't want to talk, that's right. I've never been accused of... Actually, I used to be accused. <laughs> no, you have to stand the entire time. No, have a seat. I know you will. Hey, um, shout out to the 35 guys that came out this past Wednesday for uh, this book that we're doing. I want to encourage you. Uh, it's, a, it's a book we're doing about how God makes men, and we went through Abraham and Joseph uh, this last week. Uh, Caleb and I taught, and this week it's myself and Nathan, um, who's talking about Gideon. Awesome. And so I want to encourage you. Some of you are thinking, well, it's, it's week two. It already started. It's too late. It's not too late. Um, with, uh, um, with, with some places that start with A online where you can order things and get them the next day that I'm not promoting yet. The book is online and you can get it, order it today, and it'll be at your house tomorrow. <laughs> um, but it's how God makes men. I just want to encourage the guys that are here. Uh, we had 35 guys, and we had some just wonderful sharing and guys praying with each other and over each other, and it was real sweet. Um, I, have, <clears throat> I, I normally don't have uh, much of a, a pushback during the week if I know I'm going to share something. I just came back from uh, Georgia a couple weeks ago, and I, I, I don't know how many times I, I shared, and they added an extra service. Thank you very much, just so I could share. Um, and, and it, it usually is a joy to my heart. It is this morning, but it's, something's different. I, I don't know what it is. I've not gotten in turn. People are, it's not, uh, you know, it drives me crazy sometimes. I'm going to do something so the devil is against me. And so all we concentrate is on how the devil is against me all week. That's not what I'm saying. There's just a heaviness on my heart this week. That I've that I felt, um, and part of it, uh, and we were back there praying this morning, and and uh, Philip just said, "Hey, anything on your heart that you want to say before we pray about about what you're sharing?" <clears throat> and the one thing that I, all I could share was I didn't share what I was sharing about was that I I said pray that people don't take this word <clears throat> and and use it um, in a religious way to do more activity. Um, that's not what this is coming from. And yet I've heard this message preached elsewhere, and it results in people doing more activity for a particular reason. And so um, if you hear this uh, uh, that way, then I, I haven't done what I, what I should. So my, my prayer is that you'd hear it uh, in a way that, that sparks what was being talked about here, which is relationship, intimacy, authenticity, uh, and, and all that. Is that okay? Is that good. Um, boy, I want to fill that little area right there with, with people. I hear you, Tom, and over there, and <clears throat> God's doing good things here, and um, and and I, I love it here. May this place really just be packed, and not for the sake of a church having a lot of people, but for the sake of uh, seeing increased numbers of people know how they're loved. Because that's really where it, what it comes down to. So, let's talk about the end times. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
mood. <laughs> no, we're not, but we're going we're gonna to go there as a springboard, okay? In Matthew 24, everybody, uh, how, many have, how many messages have you heard from Matthew 24 over the years? About the, but this is the end. Um, <laughs> so it says in Matthew 24, verse 1, it says, Jesus went out and departed from the temple. His disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple like he had never seen them before. So they thought that they would, they would help. Don't you love it when you, you have you feeling like you're going to help Jesus out? <laughs> uh, and Jesus said, uh, don't you see these things? Assuredly, I say to you that not one stone shall uh, be left here upon another that, uh, that shall not be th- thrown down. And then he sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when these things will be and what will be the signs of your coming and of the end of the age. I have no clue what's going to happen. I was in Kansas City for years and years, and, and uh, Pastor there, Mike Pickle, would, t- would teach on the end times. And he'd always kind of come short of, of people wanting something declarative. What will happen? Exactly what is going to happen? And uh, the best that I can come up with is that he'll come back at some point. You got anything better? I mean, yeah, we'll know the seasons, but seasons are a period of time. It's not a moment. A season isn't a moment. And um, honestly... Uh, my theology, my eschatology, eschatology is just the study of the end times. My eschatology is, has been changing over the years. I've been changing God's mind as mine changes. And, sorry. Yeah. He thought one thing at one point, but now we think alike. Um, no. uh, it's just different. And um, as I get older, for those that are older will understand, as I get older, I know less Remember when you were young and you knew everything? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it just. So I'm going to turn the page. I'm going to go over to Matthew 25. <clears throat> um, so in Matthew 25, the reason I did it in 24 is because he, he's just, it's in, in, my, in my Bible, I have a red, red letter edition. So he just keeps talking through Matthew 24, and I'm not going to get into it. And in Matthew 25, he just continues the conversation. He's, he's continuing the conversation, um, and yet he tweaks it a little bit because if when people hear about what's going to happen it, then, they don't care as much about now. If you're always living for then, you're not living for now. All right? So there's a whole group of people that are so caught up with end-time uh, eschatology theology that they don't actually live in the present and love well now. They, it just drives me crazy. I, I was there for a week. When I say a week, that means a season of my life. I was there, and I was so concerned and co- consumed because I got saved in 1973, and he was going to come in 1977. We had, we had worked that out between us. He was going to come, and he, I don't know if you noticed, but 1977 kind of whizzed right by into 1978, and, and he kept not coming. But then, th- then there were 88 reasons why he was going to come in 1988. I did not get the book, but I had some relatives that got the book. So my wife's relatives got the book, and they were convincing me at a wedding how he was coming 
1988. And then <clears throat> he didn't come in 1988, and the author of the book um, found a mistake and sold another book called 89 Reasons Why He's Coming in 1989. <laughs> I'm telling you the absolute truth. There is a book called 88 Reasons Why He's Coming in 1988. It didn't, he didn't come. And the author said, oh, I missed it by one year. He's coming in 1989 and then sold another book. I'll just say this. The second book didn't do very well. <laughs> They're like, Man, you know, you got me once, not, not twice. And then it's going to come in the year 2000 because it seemed round, you know. Um, be, well, 88 because it's 40 years from 1948 when Israel became a nation. So that's a generation. Well, another biblical generation is 50 years. Another place in Scripture, it's 60 years. And one more place, it's 70 so 88, 98, 108, or 2008, 2018 was kind of the, the, the last one, and they just kind of threw up the papers and gave up. So it's, forget it, I'm, I'm, I don't know. And uh, <clears throat> I did that a long time ago. It was well worth it. And, and Jesus keeps talking, and he's talking now uh, in a, a very kind of different um, subject. I love Jesus' parables. Matter of fact, sometimes I just I, I want to do just a whole group of teachings on on Jesus' parables and and what they mean and and what they what they mean to us, but how they interpreted them at that time, because they would get so much more than than we would get. Uh, so in Matthew twenty five, it says, "The kingdom of heaven um, is uh, shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom." I'm just going to read through this. By the way, don't you love it when we read, like, passages? Maybe you don't, but I do. I, you know, when someone reads part of a scripture and, and, and they paraphrase that one scripture, it's like, I want more. Give me some meat. So here we go. I'm going to give you a whole story. <clears throat> Kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps uh, and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all of the virgins arose. They trimmed their lamps. But the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open, the, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know whether the day or the hour to watch the Son of Man is coming. Now, <clears throat> I have heard this uh, an, over a number of years. I said I got saved in 73, so I've been around for a while listening to myriads of and hundreds and thousands of sermons. And, and everyone speaks on this one, and it, it has the look and the feel of people that are outside because they're not saved. But I, I want to boldly say, I do not, after study and, and of years, uh, and I, I'm agreeing with some other theologians, I don't believe this is saved in the unsaved. Okay? And so, <clears throat> uh, then what does this have to do with us? Is This is about the end times, and Chris, you said it's far off, and it... You, uh, this is not just about a time to be. This story is about today. Okay, it's very much about today. 
And so I'm just, I want to go through it. Um, you didn't know you're coming for a Bible study, did you? Is that okay? All right, good. Tyler, how you doing? I'm glad you brought her. <laughs> Poor guy, I keep talking about that. Okay. You're beautiful too, Tyler. <laughs> this guy right here, he's amazing. I'm so glad he's in our front row. I can't tell you. <clears throat> um, the kingdom of heaven. Well, first of all, the kingdom of heaven, what Jesus, when he starts out, is like the kingdom of heaven is likened to. He's not saying the place I came from. Okay? What was his prayer? Thy kingdom come on earth. So he's saying the kingdom of heaven is likened to. What he said, whenever he says that, whenever you hear him say that, he's saying, this is what I want to see here. This is what I, I'm here. I'm the king. And let's see if the kingdom can become what it is in heaven. So he's not just talking about a place there that is not connected to us. What he's saying is, this is what needs to be here. Okay? The kingdom of heaven is likened to. Um, and then he says here, number, verse 1, 10 virgins. Um, there's 10, uh, 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. The virgins, uh, the translation there is pure ones. So I'm sorry for those that think this is the unsaved and the saved. This is, there's 10 pure ones. Okay? Number one, they're pure. Number two, they're going after the bridegroom. All right? Unsaved don't care about purity or going after Jesus. They don't, they don't care. So if, if that's the case, if it's not a saved and unsaved thing, then what could it possibly be? Because the end sounds like Jesus is saying, get away from me. And it doesn't, you know, that doesn't seem to make sense. If, why would five saved be pushed away from Jesus? Um, so there's a, a conflict. Well, there, there really isn't. <clears throat> um, I don't believe they represent five saved and unsaved. Their five were wise and five were foolish, but they all sought the bridegroom. And pure ones who seek the bridegroom do not sound unsaved to me. The foolish, the, the foolish took their lamps, but the wise took their lamps and added extra oil on their vessels. Now, the, the extra oil in the vessel, um, looking it up, vessels were containers just about the size of a bottle of water, maybe a little less than that, and a little thinner than that, and they had a hook and it would hang on the belt um, of, of a person, and the, uh, the clothing would cover that. So you would not know. If, you, if, you, if I, matter of fact, I'm going to bring in the ten virgins now. Um, why don't you open that door? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> but if I were to bring ten of them dressed in their, the, the clothing of the day, you could not tell the difference between any of them. You okay, Caleb? Okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Did you hear what he said over here? He said, I really wanted that to happen. <laughs> oh, that's great. You couldn't tell the difference. Why? Because the, the vessels were hidden. They were covered. So you couldn't tell who had something extra. You just saw them as they were. Okay? And so there they all are, and they're looking all exactly the same. And they got, the, they, they got their lamp out there, the wick is there, and they're, they're ready to go. It's, 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 it's time. It, it, 
we're seeking him and he's going to come and it's going to be great. I, I remember friends of mine, not friends, I remember actually friends of mine who had gone to a church. They didn't go to the church anymore because it got weird. These people then went up to a hillside on a particular day because that's the day the Lord was going to come. And so they, they went up there and then it started to rain and they stayed and, and stayed and stayed through the, through the evening and through the night and, and he didn't, didn't come. Now, I got to say one thing. There's something radical about somebody like that. As much as we might say, well, I can't believe they did that. Well, if you knew that he was going to come, say they felt like they knew. If you knew, would you sit through a hillside rain? I, I, I don't know. I think I would if I really knew. But I, I love the radical heart that some people have. You get misguided by false theology. That's the problem. And I don't want to be misguided. I want to hear this message because this message can misguide you with a false understanding of the theology of the story. And that's why I'm here. <laughs> no, I'm, anyway. Okay, they took, they, it says, while the bridegroom was delayed. Well, that's our life, isn't it? <laughs> okay, so we, we've got these, we got these lamps, and we're we're out there. Some got extra oil, some don't. By the way, what 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 is the what is the lamp? Well, the lamp is what carries the light. The lamps, it's our lives, it's our ministry, it's our position. We hold it here. Now, what the light is not our ministry. He's our light. He's our fire. And so. Are lamps important? Absolutely. If, you, if, if, if a lamp is not shined, a light won't be seen well. If, let me say it this way. If the glass is not clear, you won't see it in its beauty. And so that, those are, this is our life. Our wick, I, I, I don't know what the wick is. Who knows? It, it could be you know, the, the thing you do in ministry. It, it could be the, the place that you volunteer. It could be the thing that, that people see. They, they, they look through and they see this wick and it, the lamp and it all looks beautiful. But <clears throat> the, the thing is, um, without light, it's really not worth that much. Unless you go to Antiques Roadshow. And you have a lamp from like the 1400s. And then, uh, but if it doesn't work and it's dark, it's no good. He's delayed. He doesn't run on our schedule. They all slumbered and slept. All of them. And here's the thing is, honestly, I think what it means is the, the, he was delayed. We look at our lives and every generation has said that everything is in place for Jesus to come in our generation. All you have to do is do a little, uh, it's not a little, actually it's not that little, but it, it's a study on every generation from Jesus and the, the teachings within that generation. Each one is convinced that the circumstances surrounding their lives and what's going on globally, what's going on in governments, what's going on in wars and rumors of wars, every generation has been convinced that Jesus is coming in that generation. There's teachings in every generation, and some are more so. And some seem to have more than 10 times what we have here. Yet we're convinced. And I don't want to be unconvinced, and I don't want to unconvince you. I want to keep believing that it's tomorrow. It's this afternoon. 
uh, let the Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year. But after, sorry. Chiefs or the Bills, I really don't care, honestly. They're both my teams. <clears throat> sorry about Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. <laughs> He's, that's, that's slumber right there. Okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> but I think, I, I think the everydayness and the mundaneness uh, of our lives leads us to an end to our own internal strength to make something happen, to make our lives happen. We all, at some point in time, we feel like, okay, well, yeah, the Lord promised me that, but it's been 17 years, and I'm just going to press the button and let my soul sleep on that promise. Um, and, and we do that. We all, at some point in time, we all go to sleep about something. Um, why? why? It's because Scripture is saying these, these, all these people represent us, and they all slumbered and slept. So at some point in time, there's a surprise. At midnight, a cry was out. There's something, there's a surprise, and we were woken out of a slumber uh, in our lives, and I don't know what that is in your life, <clears throat> but it, it comes when you least expect it. Um, I can guarantee that probably everybody here who's ever uh, had a family has had an unexpected situation, tragedy situation that's come, unexpected thing at work, unexpected thing at, uh, in, in just friendships. Um, <clears throat> my, I, I'm going to go there, Matt. My dear friend Matt over there, who unexpectedly just a couple of months ago, his brother went to be with the Lord. It was not expected. It came in a moment, and I'll tell you that how he walked this out with Jesus in his life is just so absolutely beautiful. You're one of my heroes, Matt. <clears throat> but things come unexpectedly, and you go, what do I do with this? What, how, do I, how do I respond to this? Last week I went to Life Center to a funeral uh, for a 16-year-old girl who um, my, my wife teaches uh, in a wholeness and wellness class. And um, one day she's in class, the next day she's in the hospital, the day after that she's passed away. 16 years old. And I just saw the father yesterday. We spent some time talking. And he's, he's recovering. He's, why is he recovering? He's got Jesus. And he leaned in to the lover of his soul. And the lover of his soul loved him back. And so the unexpected just happens. Um, I don't like the unexpected. Um, now and then my wife has thrown me surprise birthday parties. Um, Hi, honey, if you're watching. Um, I, I, I like get-togethers, but sometimes surprises. Uh, I, sometimes I just want to go home, plop, and put on a football game. And then suddenly a surprise will be there's 40 people. Hey! Hi! Hi! I'm exhausted. I don't want you here. Hi! Go away! Go away! Yeah, what are you doing here? You're not even a friend. Hi! Hi! <laughs> Oh, but it's finding him. It's waking up, putting off our slumber, and then finding him in the midst of our dark midnight time. So they all trimmed their lamps. It's in verse 7. They all trimmed their, their lamps. They trimmed their wicks, but only the, only the wise ones could light their lamps. <coughs> and so there's the, there's the five, and they're, yes, yes. And the, and the foolish are over here going, 
And they look, there's no oil. And the other ones are going, give me oil in my lamp. Keep it burning, burning. I got so much oil, I could drink it. <sighs> Fight the virus by drinking oil. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So it, it, it always bugged me that when I was first saved, I heard this story. I, I went, just give them some of your oil. They don't have oil. You've got extra oil. You're a Christian. Give them your Christian oil. And they go, no, no, go and buy some. Go, go. I thought, you snippy virgins. I mean, here, you're laughing, but does anybody, has anybody ever thought that? Who, who else besides me has thought, you snippy, look at all the hands going up. You snippy little virgins, you selfish little things. How dare, why just share that? Just share it. But they don't. Now, why don't they? Well, what is the oil? <clears throat> I believe in this story, the oil is your secret life in God. Bill Johnson can't come here and lay his hand on you and give you his secret life in God. Nathan can't go, you know, I get up in the morning at this time, I read, I go through this, I do, and, and by the way, now you'll do it. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You have to have your own secret life. So they're over here going, I can't give you what I've worked on. You're asking for my life. And you, if you want one, then go get oil. And they're going, but how do we get it? You go, well, oil, there's two ways to get oil. You dig for it or you crush something. I just want to say that digging for oil... I, I, I looked it up the other day. When, when records began, oil wells were an average of 3,600 feet deep. But that was years ago. And in 2008, now we were talking 13 years ago, 2008, the average oil well was 5,964 feet. So let's just say it's over 6,000 feet, the average oil well. You want to get oil? You got to dig. And it's not just dig a little. You're digging over a mile for the average oil well. And we want some, we are an instant society and we want instant relationship. And there are, there are levels within the kingdom where, where people have taken the time to dig and get something deeper. And others that just took the lamp and the wick and had it for a while. But you can't live off what you did before. I appreciate things that I've done that have victories in them, but I can't live off that victory. I lived in Schenectady, New York. That's where I met my beautiful wife and got married. And I had a friend in Schenectady who, <clears throat> who finally came to me. I had shared something in a service, you know, in a men's, in a men's retreat. I shared something in a men's retreat. And he came to me and he, he started crying. I said, what are you crying about? He's left, he said, 
people think I'm a leader in the church. I'm not. I said, yes, you are. He said, you're, you're visible. You share. He goes, I have no life in God. Everything I have is from years ago when I knew the Lord better. He said, I'm living off three to five years ago. I have nothing new. I just held him and he cried in my arms. That was a pivot point for him. Very pivotal weekend. Not because I did anything, but because the Holy Spirit came and said, you don't have anything to light your lamp with. You're just using old stories and you're pulling them out. And every now and then somebody who hasn't heard the story goes, oh, that's great. And everybody else is going, but that's from 1974. I don't want to live from 1974. I appreciated it. It was a good year for me. I had dark hair in 1974. <laughs> I was slim in 1974. <laughs> I can't live off dark, dark hair and slim anymore. It doesn't work. Okay. <clears throat> so they said, you know, go, go get your own. <clears throat> well, the other way, we dig for it, and the other way is crushing. The other way is crushing. Oh, how do you get olive oil? You crush. Help me out here. Ready? Real fast. Olive oil crushes. Peanut oil crushes. Corn oil crushes. Coconut oil crushes. They all have to be crushed, and then they all go through heating. Human oil. <laughs> how do you get oil? I love that song. Give me oil in my lamps. Keep me burning, burning, burning. Gonna crush you until you cry. What? Excuse me? Lord, is that you? Yeah, that was, that was me. That's my verse. What? Yes, I'm going to crush you till you cry. Till I cry. Till you cry out. Do you actually want me? You're living off old me. I'm the God of yesterday, today. And forever. I'm the God of today. <clears throat> I just want to say this. If I, I know for a fact that digging and crushing are taking place in our lives. How many can, can admit that digging and crushing are taking place? Now, digging, you have to do. Crushing comes upon us. We have our choice. I can go dig for it. And sometimes when you're digging for it, there's some crushing in the process of digging. But there's something so beautiful about the oil you get when you dig for it. There's something so beautiful about the theology and the knowledge of God when you go for it. Instead of having your, your Christian life be based on what you hear, somebody up here say on a Sunday morning. This isn't oil. We're handing you lamps. It's... Your, your oil is your secret life in God. But then the crushing part that comes upon you. I, I know stories of people in here where they feel like the crushing is going on right now. I hear it all the time. We hear things all the time. There's prayers that come through all the time. Situations where, you know, you, you're running out of money and then you lose a job. Situations where prodigal sons and daughters are gone and you're trying to figure out, Lord, how do we do this? And that's the midnight cry. We wake up and we go, okay, what, what do I do? <clears throat> and you dig for something 
and you, you, you go for your lamp to light it, and you've been living off 1974. I know some of you are here going, well, I was born after 2000. I, I get it. I get it. But you have your year where you might be living after. A beautiful lamp does not guarantee a beautiful fire. Your outward expression to the world does not guarantee an internal flame. A lot of us spend our lives cleaning lamps and trimming our wicks, and that's the extent of our, of our life um, in God. <clears throat> now, I said in the beginning, the one thing I didn't want was for this word to translate into Christian activity. Okay? So if you have the idea that, okay, I need to go, go after, I need to get oil, you need to, you need to dig. Well, I'm not talking about, you know, at the end when Jesus says, um, go away, I didn't know you. Does, does this sound like Jesus? Let me, let me say, does this sound like Jesus to you? I'm sorry you haven't done enough Bible study. The door is closed to you. Does that, is that the heart of God? I, I'm sorry, you prayed a bit, but not enough. You're gone. Oh, that makes no sense. That's not, I mean, when you compare Scripture with Scripture, you just realize, well, that, that doesn't, that's not the Jesus that I know about. So then, then, then what is it? Because they're crying. They finally get there, and they, they, the door's closed, and they're finally crying out, Lord, open to us. And then he says this interesting comment. He doesn't say, go, just go away. He says, I never knew you. I never knew you. To know him is the connotation of something intimate in relationship. So let me put it this way. When the darkness, when the cry is out and the, it's the darkest of the night and something comes upon you and you feel the weight and the crushing of a moment and you turn to how you used to live, Instead of who he is in you now, your living is a lesser you than what is now. You have the opportunity to live in now that will take you into the future. If we live here, this doesn't take us anywhere. It stalls us. It's like a 12-year-old kid in a 35-year-old body. Have you ever seen men in their 20s that act like they're still teenagers? My friend's uh, daughter married a guy many years ago, and four nights a week he went out with the guys because that's what he used to do. And he went out with the guys and he drank and he gambled because that's what he used to do. <clears throat> Can you guess how long that marriage lasted? My heart breaks because I loved them both, but it didn't last long because he stayed as a 12, 13, 14-year-old, 15-year-old boy as a 25, 30, 35-year-old man. I have no desire to do that. I just, I just don't. If, if it, it speaks about us being in a river, a river flows from one place to another. And the only way that you can flow in a river is you go. It says it, it, it brings us up to ankle deep. Ooh, that's nice. I like that. I go to Cape Cod. We love Cape Cod. And sometimes the water is really cold. A warm, when it says 60 to 62, we're really happy. Because that's warm water. So sometimes, it'll, you know, we go down the board. We see the board on the way down to the beach. It says 57. We're like, oh. 
and you put your feet in the water. It's kind of like, it's different. That's the ocean. But let's go to a river. Put your feet in the water. Oh, that's refreshing. That's good. And it says he went up to knee length. He goes, that's nice. Well, then it says he went up to waist length. Now, that's a whole nother commitment. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> that's a whole nother commitment. And so you, get, you go up to waist length, and you're there. And, and the river is made for you to move. But the only way that you can move is to get deep enough where you can pick up your feet so you're not carrying you. It's where Jesus is carrying you. That's an intelligent decision. I'm going to walk three feet of water five miles down. He says, well, just take your feet off. Go a little bit deeper and lift your feet, and I'll carry you. You'll get there in such quick time. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I like it here. This has been a good season. I like the season. Yeah, but you don't understand what I have, I have for you. And these, these virgins that are carrying the oil, they want to keep going to the next season. They're excited. What's going on next? Let's keep our lamps lit so that when God comes in that season, I'm able to adjust my life to flow with him in that season. Because if our lamps aren't lit and he comes, and go, ah, what do we do? I don't have an intimate relationship where I, I feel known. And the intimacy is not just it's not just knowing someone close. Real intimacy is being known by someone. I've said this before, even from here. <clears throat> you walk into a room, and uh, TJ, there you go. If you walked into a room, you're walking into the room, and this is the face you see from me. How does that make you feel? You're walking out of the room. Do you feel welcome? No, no. You walk into a room, this is the face you see. What, what, what do you do? You come toward it. We are created to move towards affection. If you don't know the affection of God, you do not move toward it. Keith said it. There's no fear in love. 1 John 4, 17 through 19. There is no fear in love. If we have fear, we don't move towards that which gives us fear. If we're not convinced we are absolutely loved, then we don't move toward it. And sooner or later, the oil goes out because we're not moving towards that which fills us, which is him. Listen, when we talk about a Jesus church, we're not talking about a church that does activity for Jesus. We're talking about a church that knows the heart of the Son of God feels loved by the Son of God, is empowered by that love, and lives in that love because the, the, the only other option that we have is that we live in fear and we do things activity-wise to look good in the midst of our fear. But really what's going on is the oil's going out. He's our oil. But Jesus' church is people that go, I want, I want the oil of God. I want... I want a real relationship. I, I cried when I got saved, and it, things were good for a while. But then I got involved, and my involvement took me from oil. Oh, 
I want to just close. Well, how does he see me then? You say, I need to understand how deeply he loves me. I, I, this blew my mind, Isaiah 62. For Zion's sake, I'll not hold my peace. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until he sees righteousness goes forth, its brightness. Her salvation, by the way, this is a great scripture. Her salvation is as a lamp that burns. It's not a lamp. It's a lamp that burns. The Gentiles will see your righteousness, all the kings your glory. You'll be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. And here's, here's the, the scripture. Isaiah 62, at the end, uh, uh, right in verse 3. You shall be called a crown of glory, which is in the hand of the Lord. In England, when the king and queen are crowned, the only one that can crown, who can crown a king? They're, I mean, who's above a king or a queen? Well, I'll tell you, it's the spiritual leader of the country, which is the Archbishop of Canterbury. So the Archbishop, the spiritual head, crowns the king. Okay? In this particular case, Isaiah 62, it says your, his crown in his right hand. Wow. You're his crown. You will be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord. Well, Chris, that's just kind of symbolic. No, 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 no. There is no symbolic. There is, but there isn't. He's trying to tell you, where does that, who, who, who's the only one that can crown Jesus king? Himself. Where does he put that crown? This is not a hard question. Where does the crown go? On the head. You know what the last thing in the ceremony is? When you crown a new, they have this big long ceremony and the very last thing is the Archbishop of Canterbury going, I now crown you king or I crown you queen. That crown goes on the head and this is what it's called. It's the ultimate beautification. You're his crown and he waits and puts you on his head and you beautify Jesus. You're his, he, he says, how do I feel about you? I'll tell you how I feel about you. I love you so much that I'm going to make you beautify me. This is how close we are. This is how much I love you. I'm going to make you shine like a crown. I've been, I, I've seen the, all the, the crowns and everything in, in the tower in, in London. It's unbelievable. They have these lights. You know, it's like when you go into Zales or something. They have unbelievable lights so that cheap rings look expensive. <laughs> you ever notice that? Yeah, well, the light's there. You, go, you come in, it's like, ah, it's blinding. Wow, there's the crown that was on Henry VIII, and there's the crown that was, that was on Edward in the beginning of this century or last century. And, there's the and you just see the different crowns, and it's unbelievable. And Jesus said, well, you know what? This is how I see you. You have no idea how I see you. You're running from me out of fear when all I want you to do is just come and understand that you're the crown that makes me beautiful. You crown me. <coughs> Oil is not activity. Oil is relationship. And a Jesus church is all about people having a relationship with Jesus. I don't know what yours is like. <clears throat> you might be living off of what was. It might be a dark night right now and it's hard to connect. Sometimes the dark nights, actually, it's that crushing is what connects us more than ever. 
And I don't pray that on one. I don't wish it on anyone. And when you go through it, my heart breaks along with you. It really does. But all, this I know. I don't want to be left in a situation where I'm not having oil because I'm living off of what was. Do me a favor. Just close your eyes for a second. Lord, thank you for the invitation to intimacy. It's not gained by our works. It's not gained by our activity. It's not gained by the things we do. It's a revelation of how you see us. So we set our sights first on the oil, the source. We appreciate the lamp. We appreciate the wick. We appreciate all the things that carry the light. But they're not the light. You are. And so, Lord, I ask a call to go out this morning. Call for more oil. We have you fully. It's not to get you more because we have you fully. It's to know you more. To lean toward a more intimate relationship. And so I pray, Lord, that whatever that looks like to each one of us this morning, we'd hear your whisper, we'd hear your call to come up deeper, to come up higher. That we would be a church so full of oil, it would spill out in all that we do. Just stand with me a moment. Just put your hand on your heart. I want to lead you in a really simple prayer. Pray it if you'd like. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are my fire. It's not what I do. It's not my job. It's not my ministry. It's not my position. It's not my title. I appreciate all that. But it's you that I want. Thank you that you live in me. Help me to know how you see me so that fear has no place in my life. I can fully release the beauty of your lamp. I can be a light on a hill. I can be a light in darkness. Thank you for more oil. Let it be within my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org. 